0: The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag blue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Hole Leak to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This
1: is the Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew
0: Chelney Andrew and Nick Zeraris. Zeraris. Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zeraris, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate that you've joined us for the ride. This is episode 15 pre-recorded because we are both unavailable at our normal monday time but we still wanted to have something ready up for you we'll put the full video up on our youtube liberty blue podcast and the audio version will be available as an audio podcast as well apple spotify etc etc it will be there as well search liberty blue on your favorite podcast platform and it should be there if it's not let us know we'll put it there Uh, At Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Chelney Andrew, C H E L N E Y Andrew. And that is Nick Zararis at Nick Zararis. Those are our personal handles to follow as well. We've tackled the Atlantic and the Pacific Division. Nick, which division are we tackling today?
1: Because we're a Rangers podcast, we will be doing the Metropolitan Division and the Rangers the week the season starts, which is next week. Today, we're tackling the Central. This has been the best division in hockey for the last couple of years now. You have a bunch of teams that are reasonably close to being playoff teams every single year, which just keeps it interesting enough. This is always gets into that debate of is there actually parity in the NHL or not? Because the same like 10 teams keep winning the Stanley Cup, but. Different groups actually get into the playoffs themselves, which is a little bit different from some of the other leagues where we see less parity. So it really gets into a discussion of what you prioritize when you're talking about parity. As far as this division, Stanley Cup winner from last year, Colorado juggernaut team last year, lost a considerable amount of talent at various levels of their roster up and down. You've got a Minnesota team that is going to start feeling the cap constraints of buying out Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi in the same year. They are going to be leaning on young guys to make up some of the depth issues they're going to have going forward. The Blues, always plucky, always decent. Always liable to go on a 10-game winning streak at some point during the season. Everybody starts looking around and saying, they did it four years ago. They could do it again like they did last year at one point where I was kind of talking myself into the Blues making a deep run in the playoffs. And then you start getting into Nashville, Dallas, Winnipeg, the teams that are always right there on that cut line where two of those three get in and then one team gets left out. Then you start getting lower and lower where you're talking about two teams in a full-on rebuild in the Blackhawks and the Coyotes. Those teams, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about them. Just being frank with you, but <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot to say. Yeah, there's yeah. just not a lot to say about the Coyotes and the Blackhawks.
0: So, no, yeah, there really aren't. And I think really quickly here before we dive in, we 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 mentioned it like last week on the episode, of, and and we are putting this out on Monday. But for us, this is the day after the the Neil's Lundquist thing. Real quick, here before we get in, we before we deep dive. We didn't know what the result was of that trade when we recorded the episode but now we do. Uh Chris Jury did a good job. Right? First round a first round pick and also a fourth round pick for Nils Lundqvist. I mean, I personally wouldn't trade Nils Lundqvist, but for for what he had to do, I think he did a good did a good job.
1: So, I can compartmentalize the parts of my brain. Objectively, they're great. somebody who wasn't going to play for your team this year, you got a first round pick and what is supposed to be a good draft class two years from now, that is a really good starting point. The other part of my brain is saying they did this so they can trade two first round picks, have two first round picks in hopes of trading for a Patrick Kane, who I don't want, a Jonathan Tays I don't want, which is me getting pre-mad for something that is five months away because the Rangers won't be able to do this until the trade deadline because they're not going to have the cap space requisite to acquire a 10 and dollar player until February when the salary cap accumulates and you can prorate the contract. But objectively did well. I would have liked them to have given Nils a chance to win the job out of camp and go from there. If they didn't want to play one of him or Schneider on the offside. Okay. Let them play it out. I mean, that's the whole point of sports is competition. If you weren't going to give Nils a chance to play for the spot, I understand like we talked about why he wanted to go somewhere else. That's really it. nothing to get too fired up about it. We'll see what happens. The, the draft pick two years from now is supposed to be really valuable. So maybe that helps the Rangers out when the cap crunch really gets into effect next summer when they desperately need a first round pick who's like 12th overall to come in and play right away. Maybe it's that kind of approach.
0: Like I said in the last week's episode, I pro- I personally would have preferred Nils Lundqvist over Libor Hayek. But hey, what do I know? I'm not the head coach to New York Rangers. So, uh- it, we said it last week when w- the w- the trade was breaking that a second round pick as a return would have been really disappointing, but a first round pick and also a conditional fourth in a in a a good trade and a good draft here. But also, these are assets that are valued around the league yeah. because it's such a deep draft, because there's a lot of high names that are likely to be good players in the NHL moving forward in these drafts. That you can, like you said. Tr- package in your first round pick this first round pick and now all of a sudden if you really want to go you know just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks you could trade both of these first round picks for a top six player or somebody
1: uh, a Ooh, big name have an and, idea. and
0: just go for it okay go ahead
1: you're trading one of these picks and you're getting I, okay nobody on twitter would agree with this because everybody on twitter values draft picks way too much I'm trading one of these first round picks for Pierre-Luc Dubois and we're going to win the cup this year. that That's what I would do. I like that.
0: Here. I, I but He's I, a rental yeah.
1: and you definitely can't keep him. That's the thing. You right. definitely can't keep him. And no one likes trading a first round pick for a month and a half of a player. But that's the kind of player you need to be prioritizing if you really want to go for it this year. Which I think they do but in the way they've built this roster.
0: Picks don't matter if you win the Stanley Cup. And like that—that that is something that more people should be thinking about at the at the trade deadline is yes you can trade up you could trade a lot of picks and it just not work out because the NHL just hockey in general is very luck dependent and sometimes it just be like that and you lose (laughs) games that you shouldn't be losing and then you lose the series because you lost game three on some shot from 80 feet away that bounced off of nine people and went up and went in the back of the net like that that kind of thing happens because hockey is just that kind of sport but overall you if you have the opportunity to trade your million assets what are some of your million assets for somebody that could potentially win you a Stanley Cup, you go ahead and you do that because the pick could be anything. It could even be Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like like you start to just r- run around in circles as opposed to just seeing what kind of assets better. you have. Yeah. you If you, if you have a, a good team, and you have the opportunity to get even better and the the chance of acquiring somebody that could really set you over the top to go on that deep run, you have to do it 100 out of 100 times. I don't care what draft pick it has to be, what the trade is. If it makes you win a Stanley Cup, the pick does not matter. If the player that you get in return is a rental and leaves at the end of the run, you win the cup, it does not matter.
1: That's a great way to put it. That There really is. Uh, once you've won the Stanley Cup, any roster transaction you've made is justifiable. It it, re, it just really comes down to that at the end of the day. Any transaction you've made, whatever you had to give up in a trade, it, it's worth it. You got what you were working for. They only give out one every year. Yeah. Andrew. I don't know if you know this, but only one team gets to bring it home. Sources
0: tell The Athletic you only get one.
1: <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. Uh, Central Division, the Avalanche. They got on the goalie carousel. Again, they got our old friend, Alexander Georgiev. They think playing behind a really good defense is going to make him better, which I'm liable to agree with that giving him a starter's workload will allow him to play a little bit better. They're going to get a full season out of Bowen Byram, it seems, who's dealt with a lot of injuries over the last two years. They lose Nazem Kadri. They gave Val Nachushkin that big extension. Today, as we're recording this on Tuesday, Nathan McKinning has got his big extension. So they're pretty much going to run a diluted version of the team they had last year. They're going to be a good team. It's just really hard to win the Stanley Cup two years in a row. That's really the only knock I have against them.
0: My biggest concern with them and the, by the way, the Evan Rodriguez signing is phenomenal Great. for them. I, I love Evan Rodriguez as a player. I thought he was tremendous in Pittsburgh. He's just he's that kind of player that you hate to play against and he's somebody that you love when he's on your team. He's he's dynamic. He's he, he quietly puts up points. He does all the, a lot of the, the small things right that don't end up on the score sheet, but ultimately help your team win hockey games and he's somebody that I would have loved to see the Rangers pick up, especially I think it was one your two million dollars. Yep. I mean, the Rangers. I don't think have two million dollars, but like Evan Rodriguez and Tyler Mott, I feel like would have been better than Berkeley Goudreau and Roy Reeves. But that's not like, that's you know that's how they're here. Nor they're not the general manager. Of the are your So hey, what do I know? But for the Colorado Avalanche, my one concern for them is down the middle because Nazib Kadri was had had Amazing. to go because there was no there was just no cap space. The the the, the money was not there, so Kadri had to go. Okay. They have Nathan McKinnon, who just got a twelve. His extension is what twelve point six million dollars after years. after this next season it kicks in. Then he's paid twelve point six million until he's thirty six years old. Which hey, dude, get your money. He's going to be the the highest paid player in the NHL. Uh, I think Austin
1: Matthews gets his extension yeah, two years much. from now. And then it'll be like football where the next star to get paid or sure. basketball where like Bradley Beal was the highest paid player in the NBA for like a month and a half yeah. before the next extension. But looking but I, down this lineup, you know. it's pretty good. Lekanen is still there. Comfer still there. You've still got Cogliano and Helm in that bottom six. You've got Alex Newhook who they're very excited about. Maybe Alex Newhook is your Nazem Kadri replacement. I know I when d- I t- whenever I talk to Sam, Sam loves Alex Newhook. Whenever I talk to Sam Stern, he loves him. Alex Newhook,
0: <laughs> I I like Alex Newhook, but is he the the dynamic second line center that Nazem Kadri was? To me, the answer is no. Does that make does that mean that he's not a capable player in the NHL? No, of course he is. But Nazem Kadri, it's tough to replace somebody like that. And I understand where the Avalanche are coming from. They don't have the cap space to replace Nazem Kadri or pay Nazem Kadri because if they did, they just pay. I would imagine that he would have just stayed in Colorado, but. Is Alex Newhook really the 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 second line center that the Avalanche need? I don't know. Maybe they maybe they He's move only like 21. an. He's maybe got
1: time. they
0: yeah. I, listen, uh, he can definitely grow into that. I'm not saying he can. As of right now, I don't think he is. But maybe this season he shows up. He puts up sixty points, and the conversation's over right we we don't have a crystal ball so we don't know what kind of player Alex Newhook will be this upcoming season but just off of what we've seen up to this point i don't know if he can do standard top 6 role and just and just give it to him because okay if he's struggling and he needs Third line minutes for a for a few games, who are you gonna are you really gonna put JT Confer in the second line center? Like again, JT Confer is a is a really good player in the NHL, but is he a second line center? The answer is no. So for them, they're phenomenal on defense. They're goaltending Paolo Francos and Alex Georgiev. I don't really know. I like I, I have confidence in Francis. Sort of? Like, a little bit with Alex Georgiev? I really have no idea, because there are times in the past where he was incredible in a Rangers jersey, and then there are times where he was just like, well, was a really big old center in the Rangers jersey. So, like, I don't really know what to expect out of him. But for the Avalanche, really, my only concern is down the middle, they are kind of thin, and that might pose a problem come playoffs.
1: They can... They will. They are one of the few teams that has the luxury of having so many good wingers. They can babysit a second-line center, kind of a pseudo version of what the Rangers have done with Panarin over the years, where whoever his uh, line mates are, it's fine, because Panarin usually drives the line by himself. They can get away with doing that with a Landeskog or with a Rantanen, and you get a little more lineup balance. But definitely a valid concern. Definitely a valid concern. They, anytime you win a Stanley Cup, it's really hard to keep the team together. That's sure. the entire point of the Saturday Unless
0: it's Tampa Bay and everybody gets injured, Until the playoffs, but you know that's...
1: correct, correct, right?
0: Not, not, not cap circumvention, of course. I mean, the NHL said it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) No, I listen. The NHL said it wasn't, so it's not. I'm literally, I'm saying, you know, wink, wink. It's definitely not cap circumvention, of course, not.
1: I mean, this goes back to what every single person talked about with the Tom Wilson thing. If they didn't want it to be a thing, the owners would get rid of this in a heartbeat. But the ones – every owner thinks, okay, that could be us if the opportunity strikes right. So they're willing to let other teams take advantage of it if they have the chance to take advantage of it, which is really why – it's really why the system is bad and the way the salary cap is set up is bad. But that's a different conversation. Sure. Okay. Minnesota. For the first time in the history of the Minnesota wild, they were fun last year. I, I, th- I went, I went through, I, I talked to a few historians. I, I, I went through and talked to a few hockey historians who let me know first time in that franchise's existence. They were actively fun last year, not just winning every single game two to one with really good defense. Kirill Caprizo of one of the most entertaining players in the entire league. They, lost kevin fiala they had to trade him for salary reasons fiala wanted a big extension minnesota is dealing with the cap penalties of buying out zach parisi and ryan Suter. cap space is going to be very difficult for them they traded away cam talbot they keep they're keeping mark andre Fleury as their starting goalie they're going to have two young guys i'm very excited to see in uh, marco rossi and uh, matt boldy taking bigger roles for them this upcoming season They're still going to have Kaprizov. They're going to have Joel Eriksson-Eck, one of the most underrated players in the league. they got our old friend Matt Zuccarello. They've got a really solid defense, a decent coach. The Wild, and the one thing the Wild have going for them is they have given Colorado fits in the regular season over the last two years, one of the few teams that had a winning record against the Avalanche the last two years. So if any team in this division could push Colorado for that one spot in this division, I could see it being Minnesota just because of the dynamic the dynamic dynamicism of the young players they have on their team and the established guys they already have who we know are already good.
0: I think for Facebook, Matt Zuccarello is like, is there Wayne Gretzky? Because anytime The trade deadline is approaching or if there's like if Matt Zuccarello scores a goal or like appears somewhere, Rangers Facebook is always just like, that's our Zuccarello. Like, that's our that's our Rangers legend. The Rangers should have never traded him. They should never let him go. They should have they should have never done this. Like he should have been a like for some I don't know why. He's I, unanimous
1: approval rating. Yeah, the only listen. person in Rangers history with unanimous, appro- even, <laughs> even their yeah. Lundquist haters, Zuccarello. Yeah. I don't know of any Zuccarello haters.
0: And I love Matt Zuccarello for the record. Yeah. Like I, I, He's a, he was a great player uh, that had to be dealt because the Rangers were going to be really bad and they needed to be really bad and they needed to get the assets while they still could. And yeah, I like for, I, I just don't understand Facebook and their obsession with Matt Zuccarello, that, but that's beside the point. I really can't wait to watch the Minnesota Wild Games. They are going to be just so much fun to watch. You still have Zuccarello, as we mentioned, the Rangers legend himself. You have Karikoprizov with another NHL year under his belt. Now, he if you thought he was dynamic before... I mean, this dude now is full of confidence. He's going to do more of that in this upcoming season. You have Matthew Boldy, you have Marco Rossi, you have a lot of these guys that are really going to shine in Minnesota. And on top of that, you also have a really good blue line. You still have Dumba and you'll throw Dean and Jared Spurgeon and all these guys that solidify that core that is their back end. And of course, in goal is Marc-Andre Fleury, the guy with the three Stanley Cups, and he, can always shine when when it gets to the biggest stages, the biggest spotlights. When everybody is watching him, Marc-Andre Fleury always knows how to stop the the the, the, the one shot. Columbus. The one Unless shot. They're... Yeah, well. That though, one series yeah. was
1: amazing. That <laughs> one Columbus-Pittsburgh series, I think that was 2015. Pittsburgh yeah. did end up winning, but that's how Matt Murray became a starter. Sure. I, the one thing I'll say about Marc-Andre Fleury, I, I wrote this down because I was curious about this. Fifty six starts last year, thirty six the year before, forty eight. Their backup goalie situation isn't exactly. Philip Gustafson is an upside bet, a restricted free agent they got in exchange from um, Ottawa. Ottawa for Cam Talbot. I'm curious to see how they shake that out because he's old now. Mark Andre Fleury is thirty seven years old. They a goalie you got to manage to begin with, and somebody with that many miles on them, ideally fifty starts at the most.
0: For 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 the Ottawa Senators to trade away Philip Gustafson, yeah, like he didn't put up the best of stats in Ottawa, but also the Ottawa Senators were a dumpster fire. So at least in Minnesota, w- with a team that isn't bad in front of him, I would hope that he can at least be passable for for Minnesota to just be able to win the amount of games that they need to win in order to just make the playoffs and be in a good position anyway. Because for them, is Philip Gustafson going to be this nine thirty say percentage guy that is going to fill in for Marc Andre Fleury and dominate whenever he's not playing? The answer probably is probably not, but uh, there is a there's upset. a good there's a good there's a good chance in the while they're banking on this chance that Philip Gustafson is going to be just good enough to just not be bad. Right to, to be able to stop the pucks that he needs to stop and just be a league average goaltender. That's really what they are looking for with this potential pickup. He's not gonna be a replacement for him for Marc Andre Fleury. He's not the next goalie of the future for, for the Minnesota Wild. But can he play 30 games, win 20 of them, 18 of them? Like just just be okay enough for them to win hockey games. I feel like he can do that at the very least. And that's really all that Minnesota needs.
1: I mean, I'm looking at his career here. I mean, generally speaking, the rule of thumb with goalies is 150-ish starts at a developmental level before you can kind of evaluate their trajectory. And this guy just hasn't played a lot. I mean, the pandemic obviously screwed up a lot of people. But I mean, 31 NHL games, 24 AHL games, 9 NHL games, 20, was that, 13 AHL, 19 in the Swedish league during the pandemic year, and then 18 last year in the NHL, and then 20 at the AHL level. I mean, I, it's upside. That, that When you bet on a goalie who's only 24, you're assuming we can put him in a better situation where he's not going to have to do as much like you were saying, and that will allow him to be whatever they need him to be. And it's a smart bet. I mean, they knew Talbot kind of wanted to go somewhere where he would be able to be the starter full-time. They survived that kind of awkwardness that could have persisted if they kept him around. And they got a goalie who they think they might be able to salvage something out of, get some extra value out of. And I like what they did in the offseason, all things considered. They did get a pick back for Friala, who was a pending RFA, I would have wished they could have kept Kevin Fiala because Kevin sure. Fiala was great for them last year. And the last person we got to touch on while we're talking about the wild is Ryan Hartman, who had a great year for them last year and kind of out of nowhere, too, which is something I wasn't really expecting from them. When I was looking at it, I forget. I think he had something ridiculous. Where was it? Yeah, he had 34 goals last year, which That's out of good. nowhere, out of nowhere, too. I mean, before that, his career high was 19, and that was in 2017 on the Blackhawks when the Blackhawks were still a decent team. So that just goes to show you how good Kirill Kaprizov is, where he's getting this kind of production out of people who have historically have not had that kind of production. To double your career high in goals. What is he, Chris Kreider?
0: <laughs> hey, I mean, how many of those 34 goals were, were tip-ins on the power play? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ryan Hartman is... Can, can you repeat that? Is kind of that, my question to, to, to him. Because point. if he can, then the wild... Are going to be ex- extremely dangerous coming to playoff time because now you have somebody with a with a lethal ability to score that no one really kind of thought he had. So that's another addition, another angle that the that the other team has to worry about when they when they defend the, the Minnesota Wild. But also, you know, like can can he if he can't score thirty four or pass that, can he at least put up twenty five? 27 yeah. can't can he at least be close to that number because if he regresses back to the mean that's going to pose an issue to minnesota but if he can kind of maintain that same pace that's really dangerous for them that'd,
1: that'd be phenomenal so the next team up is the st louis blues who aside from the one year they won the stanley cup have basically been a first round second round exit pretty much my entire conscious memory of watching hockey they've gone through some different iterations but largely the same team they're bringing back they are going to also start i i think the bulk of that group that won that stanley cup is kind of towards the end i mean ryan o'reilly has got a lot of miles on him. he's still a very good nhl player but he's not quite the selkie candidate he was a couple of years ago their back end was very dinged up last year. They did not get a ton out of Tory Krug, out of Justin Falk. Older guys with a lot of miles on them. Colton Pareko is not the player we kind of thought he was going to be after they won that Stanley Cup where it looked like, okay, he's going to be the Petrangelo replacement when they let him leave. Goaltending was a mess for them last year. Ville Husso came in, saved their ass, and then they had to trade him because they couldn't afford to keep him. They're going to be a fringe playoff team. They might be able to win a round, but until I know if Bennington is going to be good or not, until we see if Tory Krug can play more than 40 games, there's a lot of questions here. This is a veteran group. Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo had very nice breakouts last year. Our boy Pavel Buchdavich had a very good year for them last year. I think they'll be a decent team, pretty good team, but I think they've got a pretty defined ceiling based on what they have talent-wise.
0: Their biggest, I think, failure here was signing Nick Letty to this ridiculous contract and letting uh, David Perron go. Yeah. that that literally didn't make any sense. That the, the trade to get Nick Letty didn't make any sense to me because he was atrocious in Detroit. I mean, my guy like was just objectively awful in Detroit, and then they 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 traded something like what was it like a second round pick or like yeah. something like something crazy to get him. And then now they're giving him what four million dollars a year to play hockey? I mean, like he my guy can't play. He's back like he's he can't, he can't defend. Okay, so you, you bring in Nick Letty and you have to then let David Perron go. And to me, I, I okay, like I that doesn't make any sense to me because I while I understand that you need more blue line help. Signing Nick Letty to a, a big contract and letting David Perron walk. The, a guy who has played for a bunch of different teams, but up to this point, only signed contracts with the St. Louis Blues. This new contract that he's on is his first contract that he has signed thats that doesn't have the Blues logo on the paper. So he's been a St. Louis lifer through and through, despite him joining other teams here and there. So you kind of did him dirty there, and... <laughs> Uh, okay so you bring in Nola Chari that which is good you bring in Thomas Grice, who has a lot of off ice things that are kind of a PR nightmare uh but he also wasn't very good either so if Jordan Bing if if Binnington isn't outstanding come regular season and is Thomas Grice the 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 factor number 1 then like Vili Huso, I think Kind of just played really well last season. I don't know if he's going to repeat that, but even if he was like, if Vili Huso is at least mostly good, as good as he was last season. It's probably a lot better than than Thomas Christ is, especially at this stage. And yeah, I I kind of would have to agree. I like their core is very good. They're kind of just a question mark to me because Jordan Biddington could rock a nine forty save percentage and carry them to the to deep in, into the playoffs, or he can rock an eight ninety, and the Blues are fighting for the last wildcard spot. There's it kind of all hinges on the goaltending. And right now I don't really know which side I fall on. Cause I, cause Jordan Bennington one night can look amazing. And the next night look like me <laughs> trying to, trying to stop NHL shots. So it's very difficult to, to read into the St. Louis blues right now.
1: So the last point I want to make about the blues before we move on is Ryan O'Reilly and Vlad- Vladimir Tarasenko are both pending unrestricted free agents after this upcoming season. Based on the way they operated this offseason, it does seem like the Blues still fancy themselves contenders. There was a lot of conjecture that they wanted to trade Tarasenko. I know at one point Tarasenko had requested a trade, and then he took that back. Ryan O'Reilly is still a very good player, not quite the elite guy he used to be. But there's a world in which it goes wrong, and I could see them trading those guys
0: it's a it's definitely not out of the own possibility i think if they struggle especially out of the gate it's something that could yeah. snowball into something that's much worse come play come come the, the deadline because while this core has seen the likes of dead last to stanley cup this is off of a run of jordan binnington kind of just showing up out of nowhere and dominating and carrying them to to just win after win after win they don't have that in the in the depths of, of their AHL slash whatever else system that you want to that you want to look at. They don't really have that savior, if you will. So if if things go bad and they don't have a goaltender that is there to stop pucks when they need to stop pucks, who's gonna replace them? Okay, so you you then would need to find a goaltender in the trade market, but especially if it's like December. Everybody is still in the hunt for the playoffs at, at this. May, maybe not the Coyotes, which who will who we'll get to, but everybody else is still in the hunt for the playoffs. So nobody is really willing to give up their goaltenders. So you're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place of, well, Bennington's not getting it done. Grice isn't getting it done. And we don't have anybody else that can step in and do what they're like, do, do the job. So if they start losing early and it snowballs into something worse and they don't have somebody that can just show up and all of a sudden carry them to a cup win, yeah, I can definitely see a, a, a position in which pieces start m- pieces might start falling apart. I don't know if everybody if there's, there's a fire sale that might happen because I, I don't think the likes of Butchnevich and Kairou and, and Barbashev no, no, and these no. guys are going to go. But maybe we start seeing Tarasenko trade rumors again. Maybe you start seeing Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly rumors start to circulate. The a lot of the core will stay there, but pieces might start breaking off here and there, and here and there if things go bad in St. Louis this season.
1: I'm a big fan of both Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. I watched a lot of the Blues last year for whatever reason. I just feel like they were on national TV a lot. And they're both really good, young, dynamic players. And the Blues did a good job of getting them locked up relatively early to reasonable contracts. Of course, you're gambling. Anytime you sign a 24-year-old to a long-term extension based off of you know two years of production, you have no way of knowing that'll keep going. But those are the type of bets you need to make if you're going to maintain a solid core over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's better now in in this era to give young players longer term contracts than to give a 31 year old an eight year deal, right? Like yes. if you're going to, if you're going to give out these long term deals of eight years, seven years, $8 million a year, whatever, I personally, like, especially if you, if you believe in a player that you've had, you've developed, you've seen them grow, you've seen their, their talent rise in, in stock, especially the, the season before their, their, their new contract extension, I personally would much rather give a 24-year-old that kind of contract than a 32-year-old free agent that I know has been good before, but they might not be good three years from now. I would much rather be on the safe side and be like, okay, I've seen Robert Thomas play. I know how dynamic he is, how, how insane he is at the game of hockey. I know he's 24. I know his his hockey db isn't incredibly long but this is why we're giving that kind of money like had i i love that move from st louis as, as opposed to hey here's this 31 year old that we're going to sign to this incredibly long contract that's gonna really not age well because at age like 35 this man's gonna not be able to skate anymore like I, robert thomas and jordan Cairo, those are the kinds of players that deserve the money earlier as opposed to
1: them getting it later Okay. Speaking of teams that have given out really bad long-term contracts, we're going to talk about the Predators next, too. <laughs> they they got – I still think it's amazing they got the best year of Matt Duchesne's career, like four years into that god-awful contract. Like, he broke 40 goals for the first time last year. Really went a long way in that team being a playoff team last year. That – you had Saro – you see play like a Vezina finalist. He was one of the three finalists. He was outstanding – we're down at the end. We obviously saw them in the playoffs with Connor Ingram starting games for them because he was so worn down by the end of the season. You had Roman Yossi almost, almost hit 100 points from the back end. This is another team similar to St. Louis where they'll probably end up being right there towards the end, but I don't know how realistic it is to expect Saros to play 60 games again. I mean, I think what they start him, whatever it, he started 67 games last year after starting 35 yeah, the year before. That's a crazy mm. jump in workload for a goalie. So, you got to manage him a little bit better. I know, I think they have what Kevin Lykkenen, yeah, who was okay for them in spurts, but, you know, it, when your, your team's destruction is around your goalie, being a 930 goalie and then you drop in a 910 goalie. 910 is fine. That's above league average you're not going to be able to win a lot of games when your goal, your team is predicated on your goalie being outstanding. If he's only okay.
0: Can Matt Duchesne do it again? I think sure. that is really the biggest question. The predators have to ask themselves because yeah, Matt Duchesne was disappointing for the vast majority of his time in Nashville. And then all of a sudden he pops off as towards a thousand goals and the predators, lead the way offensively because Matt Shane can just was essentially scoring at will last season. Can he do it again? We saw it in in Ottawa, we saw it happen in in uh in Colorado, but in Nashville up to this point, this was really his one season of actually doing things offensively. And the in the past in Nashville, he really didn't do that. So my question my biggest concern with them uh, uh, well well you know as a also they have other concerns in their depth scoring I don't really see where they're gonna get a lot of that from mm-hmm. their their defense is really good at the top and really bad down below Jeremy Lausanne they traded a a a key to the city to get this guy and I don't really understand why but they they're they're Their defense is really good at the top four. You got Roman Neal, you got Ryan McDonough, the new acquisition, who isn't as good as he was in in New York or maybe even early stages in Tampa Bay, but he's still a decent player that can provide a a good depth uh, piece to Nashville. But can Matt Duchesne continue that kind of offensive pace? If if he can, then the Predators, I think, uh, will probably make the playoffs. Again, if... Maybe don't play your goalie every single game and don't, you know, and expect him to not fall apart come the playoffs because he will. And maybe don't do that. But if Matt Duchesne even falls off a little bit, there might be a problem getting them to the playoffs, even with Roman Yost scoring a million points. Like they don't have too many offensive weapons outside of the top six. And even then, Right now, daily faceoff has Eli Tolvin projected in the top six. And can he be a, a second line winger for them right now? I don't know, but they also really don't have any other options there. So Matt Touchane is going to really have to, to do a lot here. He's going to have to pull a lot of weight.
1: They brought in Nino Niederreiter, who has been a solid 20-goal guy forever. That's a nice addition to your top six. I think the Predators are very content with just being the last team into the playoffs. I think that's the way David Poyle has constructed this roster with the idea of, okay, if we get in the playoffs, maybe something happens. I mean, they Connor Ingram had a great game, that one game against the Avalanche, before they got swept out. I mean, he made something like 70, 60-something saves in that game that went to, I think, Single that went to overtime and they lost in the first overtime. But I beyond that, I don't I don't see it. That's the way this roster is constructed. At some point, they are going to have to replace David Poyle. It would probably behoove them to do so the next time they fought, they want to move on from their coach. Who I think they have John Hines. Whenever they're ready to move on from John Hines, I think that you do that at the same time and kind of start thinking about what the next stage of the Predators is going to be because they've been getting a lot of these guys towards the ends of their careers where they brought in Ryan Johansson, where they traded Seth Jones for him. They brought in Matt Duchesne in free agency. They traded for Ryan McDonough. I would like to see them, you know, have a mind towards the future. And I understand they've done a good job of continuously kicking the can down the road and staying relevant, even though it's been difficult to just be a playoff team every year. It's hard to do that. Don't get me wrong, but you know, don't you have grander aspirations? It was great. They made a Stanley cup with one of the, that predators team was amazing. That's one of the best teams to not win a cup of the last 10 years. And they haven't really gotten close again.
0: This is a team that keeps David Poyler's job. This is not a team that makes it far in the playoffs. This is not a bad team, but this is a team that fights to the end, maybe makes the playoffs, maybe wins a game in the first round, but it's ultimately a roster that's built on having David Poyle remain as the general manager of the team. Another season. It's, 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 the the predators are quickly falling into that nine and thirteen hole, and by, what I mean by that is back before you know back in the yield days when the the top eight teams in each conference made the playoffs and it was a one to eight structure, the nine to thirteen hole was always the worst position to be in because you're not bad enough to get the top picks and to rebuild that way, but you're also not good enough to make the playoffs and to make some any kind of damage. The Predators if they continue down this path will be stuck there for a very long time because again, this is a team that is built that is built s- pretty much solely for the purpose of keeping David Poyle's job because you're not going to win many playoff rounds with this current play, with this current roster, but you're also not bad enough to really get into a good draft lottery position. Unless of course you, you suffer a lot of major injuries. And then all of a sudden it just all falls apart, which hopefully doesn't happen in Nashville. But this is not, even if all healthy, this is not a team that really scares me come playoff time.
1: I forget. I think it was Kevin Clark of The Athletic wrote a story about this a couple of years ago where he got to sit down and ask one of Belichick's assistants who went somewhere else about what's like the smartest thing he's ever said to you. And Belichick was like 20 of the 32 teams in the NFL have no interest in winning the Super Bowl every single year. And I think that's a reasonable comp for the NHL. I would say probably between. 20 and 24 teams really have no chance of winning the championship most years and they design their rosters in that way there are a lot of people who are just in it for self-preservation to keep their job or they make decisions for appearances so that when it comes time to interview for their next job they can say well i did this my owner didn't like it but i was trying to do the right thing or whatever and i think it it's just a shame that the certain teams get stuck in the mud like this because it's fun to make the playoffs but you know when you start you lose in the first round every year unless you're the Leafs you, you start to get bored of it the Leafs do <laughs> yeah, think they're going no, to win in the first round every year nobody not a single Predators fan thought they were going to beat the avalanche last year in no the first round. and if you did you
0: were kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs like it even watching the first, like,
1: if you did call first, us, yeah. DM us. If you did, call, yeah. let us know.
0: Call us, give us, give us, give us a DM, give us a tweet at us. Uh, cause we'd love to talk to you for Cause if, if nothing else, to never listen to your betting picks, but also, like, just
1: uh, you oh, watch no, I was f- talking about drugs, Andrew. Well, I, was, oh, I would assume well, they were in yeah. Lucid when they were, yeah, making well, that decision. yeah,
0: that's that's not a bad point to make either, but yeah, for the for their predators, like. Even watching them last season, the first period against the Avalanche, you quickly discovered, "Oh yeah, this is, this is not going to end well for Nashville. This is going to be a very quick series. This is, uh, this is like you know, this uh, the NHL versus some." This is going to sound bad, but like in the playoffs, the, the Avalanche looked like they were playing a beer league team just because of how big the gap was between, That's hey, great. this is this is a cup contender team and we're just happy to be here. Maybe we win a game? Question mark. Like the, the difference was so vast. That the and the avalanche like also never took the predators for granted either. They really tried. To, they did everything they could to stomp on them as much as they possibly could and get the series over with and just move on to the next round. And that uh, the predators never really looked in it. Besides that one game, that went into overtime. And this is again kind of the same roster. Like it, there's a lot. There's a few you know new pieces here and there, but other, but ultimately the, the same core is here, and they're they're just not scary.
1: I mean, because realistically, you're probably going to be one of the wild cards if you're Nashville. I don't know if you can push for that third spot. And then that means you're going to play Colorado in the first round or Calgary or Edmonton in the first round. And that's daunting. That just flat out. That's a challenge. All right. Next up, Dallas, who had a interesting first round in the playoffs against Calgary, pushed the flames to the edge. Jake Ottinger had himself one of the best seven game stretches of any goaltender ever. I've cited this stat before, but it's as ludicrous. I will cite it again. In that seven-game stretch, Ottinger faced as much expected goals against as why can't I think of the Kemper? There we go. Yeah, Starcy Kemper. They faced as. Much expected goals against in that seven-game series against the Flames is Darcy Kemper did the entire playoffs. That is how good the Avalanche were at playing defense last year and how bad the Stars were at playing defense against the Flames last year. The Stars team, uh, they finally got rid of Rick Bonus, which step in the right direction. That The first step in em- recovery is admitting you have a problem, so <laughs> that's good. That is a good step for the uh, Stars. They hire Pete DeBoer, who... He's been fine. He's been to a couple cup finals, went with the Devils, went with the Sharks a couple of years ago, got to a conference final with Vegas. He's a decent NHL coach. Um, I want to see what Ottinger looks like for a full season. He didn't. He only had, I think, 20 th- something starts last year before he got up. Uh, Jason Robertson, Rupe Hens, driving the bus with Joe Pavelski. Not a lot of depth scoring. Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn are still there. They're getting paid like they're producing, but they're both not. Miro sure. Heiskanen is going to carry a bulk of the load. John Klinberg left as an unrestricted free agent. Nils Lundqvist will probably crack this opening night roster, which is something you can keep an eye on. But the stars are going to go as far as Ottinger can drag them because them, they just don't have any depth scoring. Unless Tyler Sagan, two years removed from serious hip surgery, can – kind of turn back the clock and put in a 70-point season. They just don't have a ton of depth. I mean, I was talking with my one Stars fan friend the other day, uh, this morning, after she was asking me a, few, a little bit about Nils, and I was like, what do you actually think the Stars are going to be this year? And she says, whatever the first line can do, because they're the only line that scores. <laughs> that, that, realistically, yeah. I mean, Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski were outstanding last year. I mean, all three of them were close to a point per game. Robertson was over a point per game. I mean, other than that, there's just not a lot of depth here. I don't
0: understand the Pete DeBoer hire. I is it really that painful to try somebody new? Is it really that? Yeah. Is it really that much of a chore and that much of a heartbreak to be like, hey, Pete DeBoer has been around the block to, through half the league. Maybe we try somebody else. Maybe right. we try. A, a new face around the NHL. Maybe we try anybody, anybody that hasn't been around that hasn't been behind the, you know, 17,000 NHL benches uh, over the course of his career. Like what the, the the Dallas stars need a reinvention because as we saw with Rick bonus, the nobody on this team could really do much of anything besides Rupe Henson and, 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 you know, a couple of other guys on this team, but like, they, they really need uh, somebody new to come in with new ideas and rejuvenate this franchise. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to make Luke, uh, you know, insert new name here, isn't going to have Luke Glendening score 50 points. That's not what he's there for. And supposedly he's playing on the third line this season, according to Daily Faceoff, which good luck with that. But the the... The Dallas Stars still have a bunch of scoring depth issues. They they never really addressed it, and they really can't because Jamie Benn and, as you mentioned, Tyler Sagan make a trillion dollars a year and take up a bunch of their cap space. They don't have the movement available to them to, to try to get other players in there that are, that are capable of scoring goals. But, yeah, ultimately, Pete DeBoer is there, okay? And they still can't score, so... They'll make the playoffs probably because of Jake Ottinger and friend of the show and and my client, Scott Wedgwood, who's going to win every game he plays in. So they're probably going to make the playoffs, but what are they going to do after that? Are they just going to hold on for dear life like they did against Calgary and just let Jake Ottinger see 90 shots a game and hope that he stops most of them? If that's the plan, then they're a first-round exit.
1: I mean, they kind of have the same problem Nashville does, where they have a bunch of pretty good guys, a good goalie, and that's just enough to get in. And in that market, the GM has been there, I think, 10 years. I think Jim Neal has been there since like 2011, 2012, something like that. All you need to do is get in the playoffs. You stay in the playoffs. You get in the playoffs every other year, two out of every three years. That keeps you your job as a GM. That's the way this roster has been assembled for a while now, similar to what's going on in Nashville. And we're about to get to Winnipeg, which is the exact same thing, which is is why this division (laughs) is so competitive because all of these teams are just assembled to get exactly 90 standing points so they can get the last playoff spot but they're all in the same division. So it turns into a knife fight by the end of March. So talking about Winnipeg, which I wrote in our rundown that this is the Stanford prison experiment of the NHL, which (laughs) I thought that was a great joke to be honest with
0: you. I I agree with you.
1: Just thinking about any time you have to sell. Yeah. We're taking the C away from our captain, but he's still on the team. Mm -hmm. There's no way to sell that. There just isn't a way to sell that. And this, the vibes were so rancid. Paul Maurice said I'm good I'm gonna go home do you know how bad you have to be as an organization energy wise for somebody to stop taking a good paycheck that is a very cushy job he could have wrote out the season and left at the end of the season but in December he would I can't keep doing this man this is terrible <laughs> for me I can't keep doing this this it, it, it's not it's you guys it's not me Paul Maurice hit them with the it's you guys it's not me and left. I don't know what they expect. I, I, they're running basically the same exact team out there, except Blake Wheeler is wearing an A instead of a C now. How is anything going to be different?
0: The Winnipeg Jets are a Connor Hallibuck jersey uh, injury away from totally dismantling their own the, 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 the roster.
1: From if, disbanding if, the franchise? From, no longer if, existing?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Just go back to Atlanta while you're at it. But like the they're really hanging on by just the, the thinnest of threads. And you never really address the issue that's been going on in the locker room. Whatever the issue was, it's, it's kind of the worst kept secret in the NHL. Like, Hey, the Winnipeg Jets kind of have an issue in the locker room. That's gone rampant for years now for, for it's, this hasn't been an issue. This, this hasn't been. Yeah. I mean, like this is not a, this is not a brand new concern. This has been an issue for a long time now that hasn't been fixed still. And, Okay, so you still have that problem that has never really gone away, and now you make it worse by stripping the C off of Blake Wheeler, but you're still keeping him on the team for reasons, and now you don't have any leader on the team. Cool, cool, very cool, especially very cool with a a team with locker room problems that aren't resolved. Thank you, Kanye. Very cool. And you you also have defensive problems. Is Neil Pionk really going to be the top two defenseman for your team? I mean, I know he was a lot better in Winnipeg than he was in New York, but is he a top two defenseman as Daily FaceR projects him to be? The answer is that, no. So... The, the the blue line is a very good Brandon Dillon. You got Josh Morrissey. You got Nate Schmidt. Like, are they going to be the worst blue line in the league? The answer is no. But I, realistically, they are hanging on by a thread. Now, of course, you still have Pierre Luc Dubois, who's been the 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 a rumor for the Rangers. For I mean. It seems like a millennium at this point that it's only an inevitability that Pierre Luc Dubois is going to be in a Rangers uniform, according to people on Facebook, for years and years now. Kyle Connor is a tremendous player. Nikolai Ehlers is a good player. Like you, still have decent talent on this roster. But if Connor Hellbuck for for any reason at all, goes down, the season's over.
1: I mean, we saw. The Jets, they beat the Oilers in that playoff series in the bubble year, the full season bubble year in Canada. And then they lost in the second round. And that team was dragged there by Connor. Connor Hellebuck was outstanding. I believe he won the Vezina that year. I'm pretty sure he won the Vesna that year. Outstanding year. They realized, okay, we're going to get our goalie killed. So they brought in Dylan DeMello. They brought in Nate Schmidt and said, let's just be average defensively after being a dumpster fire defensively. Decent plan. It did not work. The defense was still very bad last year. The goaltending was not nearly as good. Hellebuck went from being one of the best goalies in the league to like the 10th or 11th best goalie in the league, and that got Paul Maurice to leave. That got the locker room issues to be the, to the point where, okay, we need to kind of reassess this. And then they brought in Rick Bonus, who has a reputation of being defense first, no offensive creativity whatsoever, trying to win every single game 2-1, to 3-2, to two. And I just don't think that's going to work on a team that has had defensive issues for a couple of years now. I mean, just being frank, the Jets haven't been great defensively, and they've gotten by because of Nick Elyers, because of Mark Shifley, because of Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, etc. It's okay. That works in the regular season. It is really hard to be that type of team in the playoffs.
0: You're right. This is a team that, come the playoffs, if it's the same exact team, or maybe they add somebody if they're really going for it and they really think this is the year and we are gonna trade our first round pick or whatever and, and get somebody and but that's you're putting it's the it's that's, the drastic I think it's the drastic part of the meme of like putting duct tape over a a, su- a super huge crack on a rock. It's just like yeah. you're not fixing anything. You're you're just masking the problem. And for Winnipeg, I don't really know how to how to fix it short term. Probably long term the I the the the, Ooh, the, the solution yeah. Oh. 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 Nick. Nick. He has a solution. Nick. Uh. What. What is his solution? Solutions. Um.
1: Play Vili Hanola. Play Cole Perfetti. Profit. This is not rocket science. I don't know why they didn't do this last year. They literally had nothing to play for last year after mm, February, and you have two guys you drafted in the top ten, and you're just not playing them. I mean, you're playing six foot twelve Logan Stanley, and not. Vinnie like you have guys but who have he's shown...
0: tall nick he's tall come on he's tall you're he right I... he's tall of course that's what vancouver did with tyler myers tyler he's Me- tall
1: there's a, a there is a possible solution and a team that just wants to make the playoffs not going to explore the solution that is why you hire a rick Botish, why you hire a um Uh, John Hines why you hire a Pete DeBoer you just want to make the playoffs unless you're like a polished up ready to go contender and you're getting one of the old white guys off the carousel because you think they just need a different voice as opposed to the old one that's why you hire one of these guys who's been you know six stops in 20 years is you know what they're going to give you if they just get you in, that buys you another year on your job, and it sucks. But that's just the way some of these teams operate. I mean, I was talking with my one Jets fan friend the other day, and she says it would have been awful if they made the playoffs last year because they wouldn't have changed anything. They didn't make the playoffs last year, and they still didn't change anything. <laughs> so it's like it's like it's it can go making the playoffs every year and going out in the first round can be bad. It allows a, a complacency to set in where things don't change because you're getting an okay result, and that okay result keeps you in your job and you can phone it in and just keep trading second round picks for third pair defenseman and you'll be okay. You won't ever win anything, but you can keep your job
0: for Winnipeg jets fans. Uh, Hope you're okay. Hope you're doing well. Please be sure to drink a bunch of water and stay hydrated. And it's very important for, for you to go and, and do things that benefit your mental health because watching Jets games this season will not do any of that. Uh because again, like this is the same issue that we've been that the that, that Jets fans have known about for years now. And and yet here again, year after year, this is the same kind of issue that Toronto faces, except like they're actually good in the regular season. They just can't get in the playoffs. For for Winnipeg, they don't do much of anything come playoff time, or like they're just they're stuck in the mud. They're in that nine to thirteen kind of kind of hellhole that that we alluded to earlier. And they, instead of going one way or the other, they are content with being there. And that is that is like a new uh, a new place that I didn't consider. I haven't seen many teams be okay to be in. Like they are are again like they're they're good enough to hang around. But they are ultimately just not dangerous enough to make any kind of noise. They're not bad enough to get a first overall pick, a second overall pick, to to really focus on the future and to just sell and and build towards a better tomorrow. They are okay with hey, well, Blake Wheeler's not the captain anymore, but he's still here. He's still going to be a productive member of our society, and he's still going to contribute on the ice and and maybe do things off the ice. I don't know what goes on there, but clearly he doesn't know either. So the jets are stuck in nine to 13 and they're very happy to be there for some reason
1: okay two teams left Two probably the two worst dumpster fires in the nhl because i mean like seattle at least has some semblance of a direction detroit has some semblance of a direction buffalo even has some sense of a direction now uh the blackhawks hired their ahl coach to be their nhl head coach now um Tays and Kane, both pending unrestricted free agents. I think that'll be the most interesting storyline for the Blackhawks all year. It's not like they have any young guys who are trying to crack the roster on opening night, maybe stick around. They traded those guys. Kirby Doc would have been the guy you wanted to see on the team this year, get substantial ice time, but they traded him for a first-round pick. They traded Alex DeBrinkett for a first-round pick. They're starting over. They have Seth Jones. That's really all I got to say for about it. a million that. years, also. So that, that's going to be fun. So the thing is, you can't fault the new GM obviously for what th- for that because obviously no sane person would have done what Scott Bo- what Bowman did before he yeah. got fired. I mean, that was just a very clear I'm trying to save my job. Let's get Mark Andre Fleury and Seth Jones in here <laughs> and try and get to 9 to 13. Sure. That was the that was the Scott Bowman plan last year oh. unfor- before he got fired for his role in the Kyle Beach uh the Kyle Beach scandal from 2010, but They're starting over. Uh, Kyle Davidson was the assistant GM. The Blackhawks are going to be a very bad team. They are going to be in the Connor Bedard zone. This is a team that has, you know, a few decent players, Seth Jones, Taze, Kane. Uh, Other than that, there's not a whole lot on this roster to be optimistic about. Maybe you can trade Max Domi for something at the deadline. Maybe you can trade Tyler Johnson for something at the deadline. You trade Taze and Kane at the deadline, but that's really all you got to look forward to if you're a Blackhawks fan is maybe a few years from now, things will go well if we stick to this as opposed to what they did, which was, okay, we realized we're not that good. Let's get some younger guys in here. And then they were a little bit better than they thought they might've been and said, okay, forget it. Let's try and be good again right now. And they brought in Seth Jones, Mark andre Fleury, and they are not very good. And they're going to have to deal with the consequences of that. They are going to be atrocious this year.
0: I think this is really the biggest highlight of how bad the Chicago Blackhawks are. And if you listen to my old podcast show squared, and if you've you just followed me for a while, you know how much I love this player in particular. The, the daily Faceoff has Jack Johnson slated to be the second pairing defenseman on the Chicago Blackhawks, which yeah, Stanley winner, Jack Johnson. That's right. That's right. Rangers legend, Jack Johnson. But, Yeah, the the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be a disaster fire. There's really not much to say other than that. Like, this team is going nowhere fast. You have Jonathan Taves and and Patrick Kane and Seth Jones there. And that's it. That's the whole team. Congrats. Congrats. That's the whole roster. And Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tavis probably won't be on the roster for for too much longer. Seth Jones is is stuck. Listen, bro, you're getting your bag. Congrats. Cool. Very, you know, listen. Um, Anti-working. No, yeah, listen, go ahead and you get that money and you get every single penny you can, and no one's gonna fault you for it. But that's like you're stuck on a really bad team for a very long time. So make the best of it, I guess. But the the Chicago Blackhawks are going nowhere fast. This is a team that is going to be, as you mentioned, in the in the Connor Bedard race. And they're going to try to lose basically as many games as they can. Like Peter Morozik and Alex Stalock are goalies. That's for sure. They, they do put those pads on. I can tell you that that's about it. And Peter Morozik, like maybe he's somebody that maybe he's a goalie that can fetch maybe a third round pick at the deadline for, for somebody that is looking for to looking to shore up their goal. team maybe St. Louis wants Peter Morozik and they'll and he'll, Go to St. Louis and maybe do things there. Who knows? But for for Chicago, they're bad. That's it. They're they're not going anywhere.
1: Are you just going to use the same coffee pasta to talk about the Coyotes now?
0: Yes, that's you just. I'm just going to copy the the audio that I just had that I just recorded, and that is the Arizona Coyotes. They are going to be maybe they're probably going to be worse. They are a t- They are if if Chicago's a dumpster fire. Wait till we, wait till you see the Arizona lineup. I mean, they truly—they have Jacob Chikrin and Clayton Keller. That's the whole team. That is it. Yeah, two players. Nice.
1: Ah, uh, the Coyotes have been a team the Rangers have been linked to forever because there was a defense versus forward surplus. Uh, Barrett Hayden really hasn't stock. Lawson Krause really hasn't stock. Other than that, the rest of this lineup is the island of misfit toys. When you go through it, it's just what other guys, other teams didn't want you could write a really good screenplay centered around this idea of all of these guys getting traded away from teams and them giving up things just to get rid of them all getting pissed about this and being like, okay, maybe we should get better. And the coyotes actually (laughs) be good. Like that's basically the plot of major league, but major league, the movie was just guys who weren't good at baseball or weren't professional baseball players getting invited to try out for a team. That's basically what the Coyotes are, but these people are so bad, other teams are actively paying them to be on other teams. That That's what we're working with here for the Coyotes. Um...
0: They're bad. They... <sighs> Are like at least Chicago is going to be fun to watch from from the perspective of how many Trades. goals can they give up at at, at one time? Arizona is just going to be sad because they're going to be in this new arena with five thousand people, and they're going to be terrible in that arena with five thousand people. So like that's just going to be sad. Chicago is going to be fun from the perspective of like hey, they could either score seventeen goals in one game with with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves putting up ten points. Or the other team is going to score 25 goals a game. And this is going to be just an absolute tire fire on ice. But it's going to be fun to watch if you're not a Blackhawks fan. If you're an Arizona fan, this is going to be sad.
1: They're just boring. That, yeah. that They're not even like fun bad, like you were just saying. They're just boring. Um, yeah. I do think we, the last point we'll make on the Coyotes and then we can sign off Um. I do think it was very funny where there were people in hockey media where the the coyotes are forecasting more revenue for the team this upcoming season, playing in a smaller arena. Why are you saying that like it's a good thing? Yeah. Like, no. yeah, it's great, but if it's great that you're selling overpriced tickets to play in a college arena, but the, you're defeating the entire purpose of being a professional sports team. Like, uh, they have a bazillion draft picks. Eventually, they're going to have to turn these guys into players. Or at some point, I, I know Gary Batman would never throw one of his owners under the bus, but like at some point, you actually have to try and win hockey games. There needs to be like a rule. Like, I know the NHL is instituting a thing where if you pick in the top three in the lottery, you can't do it X number of years because the range won it by accident the rangers moved up in the lottery twice by accident and the nhl said okay nobody else gets to do that anymore the coyotes are going to end up triggering that rule at some multiple times because they have no discernible talent on this roster outside of keller and Chikarin. uh the last thing before we get out of here we had big announcements today in the nhl pk yeah. retired chara retired keith yandel retired uh chara one of the most annoying players in the history of the league because it was impossible to go around him just absolutely impossible uh i still have the lasting image of zuccarello trying to pin him (laughs) to the boards in the corner burned into my brain rangers legend matt zuccarello of course pk suban uh enigmatic player uh i don't want to say controversial because that's like the lazy word that sports media people use to describe them. I I don't Mercurial Mercurial sounds cooler. We'll say Mercurial player. Montreal
0: Uh, also did him really dirty because he, he went out and he donated $10 million to a Montreal children's hospital. And they were like, yeah, thanks. But
1: you celebrate too flamboyantly. We don't want you,
0: you, you, you wear goofy hats. So you're out the door. It's like they, they, I will forever maintain that Montreal destroyed this man's career in a way because he was never the same player that he was in Montreal. He was never the same dynamic player that we saw. He was he was okay early on in Nashville, but other than that, he just never got back to that same style. And yeah, like he still got the outfits. He's still like he was he one of the best dressed in the NHL, by the way, because everybody else just wears boring suits and nobody ever does anything with their personality because it's the NHL and personality is bad for some reason. But PK Subban is one of the few that actually wanted to dress up and have, you know, these cool patterns and whatever, and just, just, have some kind of something that that's that An identity made him outside stand of out. The team. Yeah, yeah, that made it made him stand out off the ice, and it was really cool to see somebody in, in the NHL do this because not a whole lot of players are doing it now. I guess Patrick Lana and his sunglasses are, but other than that, it's it's there's you can really count the, the the players on on one or two maybe hands that do the same thing that PK Subban does. So we 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 lost that, and Montreal did him dirty, and PK Subban later on did. Uh, one or two dirty things on the ice as well. But Montreal really did that man dirty. And I feel like people shouldn't forget that.
1: That's somebody who really lost a lot of mobility uh, from injuries. A lot of lower body injuries over the years added up. I I remember, I forgot what year of Jack Hahn's book, the hockey consultant, he had an entire chapter of what happened to PK Subban. And one of the things in there was just, he was so used to being as fast as he was that he never really learned how to not be fast. He never learned how to play angles. He still tried to play like he was still an elite skater, which he wasn't later on in his career. And he never really adapted. And P.K. Subban could have stuck around. I know a team would have given him an offer to play this year. He's an NHL caliber player. I don't know how high you could play him in your lineup, but he could have played in the NHL this year. I imagine the next step for him will be something in media, whether it's TV, whether sure. it's a podcast, whatever, at that. And then last, Keith Yandel. Um, one of the more entertaining players in the NHL, somebody else who had a little bit of personality to him. He moonlighted as a ranger for a season and one playoff run, and the coach refused to play him in any situation. <laughs> Uh, one of the all-time great well if you traded a first round pick and a prospect for him why is he playing 12 minutes a night and only on the second power play well you you remember
0: do you remember back when the the to rangers trade was happening and the rumor going around at the time was that dan girardi was included in the
1: trade yes what a time to be alive
0: what a time
1: I remember the year before when it was Dan Girardi for Cam Fowler. I remember that was the year <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. Because they, they, instead, originally, they weren't going to trade Callahan. They were going to trade Girardi because they were only going to be able to keep one of those two. And that was the original deal. That was, I mean, Dan Girardi got down ballot Norris. So absurd in hindsight.
0: Forget I forget who I think it was Damian Cox who was just like yeah dude da- da- Dan Girardi the the Vesna not the Vesna the Norris caliber defenseman yeah Damian Cox full of good takes that guy for sure
1: we're old that that is the the main point of this is that <laughs> Chara retired <laughs> yeah. Yandel retired PK Subban yeah. retired like I, as long as I've been watching hockey PK Subban and Keith Yandel have been and obviously Chara have been in the NHL and. You start to get old. You start to feel older when guys you've watched a majority or all of their careers start to retire. And we're reaching that next era of hockey now where it we're that is definitely a turning of a page in a book somewhere. I don't know who is writing that book, but it feels we like an era. Of, OK, sure. It yeah. feels like an era of the NHL ended today. And we're looking ahead.
0: It's it's sad because Chara was 45. I mean, he's been around for such a long period of time. I think I saw a tweet uh, earlier today too that now that Chara is retired from the NHL, that there are no active players that have lost to the <laughs> Maple Leafs, Leafs in the first and, and yep. then in the playoffs, which I find to be hysterical. Like that just shows how long the Leafs have been without a first round playoff win. But Chara has been around for forever. Keith, the Animal Rangers legend, who was, uh underutilized in new york i mean who hasn't been really if 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 you're especially if you're a rental if you're you're gonna be underutilized you're just not gonna for whatever reason the rangers love to get on their own way with these kind of players and i never understand why but here we are and yeah for pkc like i said he was just done dirty by montreal he never really figured himself out afterwards and montreal man like i don't know Maybe don't trade somebody after they donate $10 million to your children's hospital. But I'm not a GM. What do I know?
1: All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, We'll be back next week. We should be live for next week. Probably two episodes next week. We'll do a Metropolitan Division one at large and then a Ranger-specific one. Trying to get a guest for the Ranger-specific one. Uh, Be sure to follow the show on all the different social media channels. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We are on um, YouTube, Twitch. The show is live on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube every single week. So if you prefer one to the other, we're on all of those the Show is available on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, the show's feeds, Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Liberty Blue Pod on YouTube. It's Liberty Blue Podcast on Twitch. It is Liberty Blue Podcast. Andrew's personal handle is Tony Andrew C-H-E-L-N-E-Y. Mine is Nick Sararis, C-A-R-A-R-I-S. I will see you guys next week. We will see you guys next week. Um, please don't start arguing about preseason game lineups, please. That's your homework for the week. <laughs> don't, No arguing yeah, about preseason game lineups.
0: Nobody cares. Who cares? It's the preseason. Yeah. Don't, don't. But 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 as I said in the tweet uh, earlier earlier uh, recently, it was just like if Libra Hayek makes the starting lineup in the regular season and he and Le- and Gerard Gallant trots him out there, we gotta start checking this man's this man's sports books because you know, I think I think there's some changes going on in the background. But other than that, preseason who cares? Doesn't matter. We'll see you guys next week. Later.